0: We're going to be in Psalm 27, Psalm 127. We're going to start there. Today, as we go through Father's Day, um, no, you know what? Here's the thing. I was telling the first service that, um, you know, typically we as a church, what we do is we just teach through the Bible and that's our comfort zone. That's the, the, where we normally do. But today, I don't know. I just woke up this morning and I felt like the Lord just say, I want you to share your story. I want you to share your testimony on um, what it was like for you in life as, as you had your dad and then you had others in your life that were in one sense father figures to you. And so I'm going to share, um, hopefully you guys uh, would show me grace in that, in that today it's more of a testimony. And my prayer though is that wherever you're at, uh, some of you guys, um, you miss your dads because he's passed away. And there's like a void inside. Some of you, um, you have good memories. Some of you, maybe you have bad memories. Some of you, um, your dad was never even there. And it's hard. It's a hard day for you. Um, all I know is this, that no matter where you're at, we do have a heavenly father You know who wants to fulfill that role And what I found out, as I look back now, and even though I didn't have the nuclear family, when I look back now, I find that my father, my Heavenly Father, he was always there for me. And he used different people in my life. You know, because one of the things that you'll find today that's such a bummer is that our world is aggressively downplaying the role of a father. You know, it's no longer Father Knows Best, uh, the sitcoms nowadays. And pay attention, pay attention to the programs. Pay attention to The Simpsons. Pay attention to whatever the movies are. How How do they show the dad to be? A lot of times what we find is that it's not good. Today, dad doesn't have a clue. As a matter of fact, the world that we live in today says you don't even need a dad. You don't need a father figure for that matter. But we do. We desperately do. God knows we do. And he knew what he was doing when he created the family, the mom, the dad, the siblings. And so I I pray that we would not buy the lie of what society is trying to feed us. And I pray that today would be a, a word of encouragement. And wherever you're at in your fatherhood or wherever you're at as a father figure, maybe you're an uncle, or you're just a friend and you're a father figure to someone wherever you are, even as a child that somehow in our study today, that you would be ministered to in knowing that you have a heavenly father and that God has a plan for your life. You know, right here in Psalm 127, look what it says in verse three, it says, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward like arrows in the hand of a warrior. So are the children of one's youth. Now, notice what the Bible says. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. And so right here we see that children are, are a heritage. They're a reward from God. It says in verse 3. You know, one of the things I do want to encourage you guys to know, uh, again, one of the lies the society is telling you is that babies are a burden. No, they're not. Babies are a blessing. I pray that you would know that. You know, what we find today is that sometimes people see that. And, and again, I got to be really careful. You know, my wife and I, we've had two kids uh, and then two more in heaven. And we probably would have had more children But, you know, she couldn't anymore, and we had some complications. And so, you know, I don't know how many you're supposed to have. You know, uh, the Aguilars are amazing to me. They have eight, uh, and that's not enough, I I think. You know, they're just a, a, a beautiful family, amen? They're a spiritual family. They got the Gatons. You got others that have a lot of kids. And so that's where God's leading them. I'm not saying you guys have to have a lot of kids, i know some will say you know two and we're through and stuff like that and that's fine god i know what I, I think it's weird when sometimes you got churches or pastors trying to tell you you got to have a lot of kids or you can't have a lot of kids no that's between you and god right remember when god created in the book of genesis he was making everything and he saw it was good and it was good as good and then one day he was done creating he could have continued creating but he didn't. One day he was done and then that's it's good and and so God will show you this but the only thing I want to make clear though from the scriptures is that children are not a burden. They're a blessing. And that's what the Bible says. And and, and part of it is because you know sometimes we get life mixed up. We think well it's because you know we have to make sure that our kids go to Harvard and that you know they are rich with ever whatever, whatever the mansion, the Bentley, and all that kind of stuff, and, and in all reality, um, it's not like that. We are we are we're given children, and they're a blessing to us. Hopefully, we're a blessing to them. But w- notice what it says right here: Children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the re- the womb is a reward, like arrows in the hand of a warrior. So are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. Now, let me ask you a question. These arrows that the children are described as arrows, do you think that they're described as arrows so that they can go shoot archery? No, they're giving kids for war. For war. And we get our kids and we pour Jesus into them and we love them and we raise them up in the ways of the Lord because there's another generation coming that has to fight for the glory of God. And that's what we see here, that they're they're like arrows. Children are like arrows. And so the guy that has a whole bunch of kids with his quiver full of them What a blessing that is, because it even says right here in verse five, happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with who? Their enemies in the gate. How many of you would testify to the fact that we're living in a world with a lot of enemies, with a lot of liars, with a lot of darkness, man, and they're trying to swallow up the church and tell us that we're bad because we believe the Bible and You know, and so, you know, we're getting older. It's happening fast. Will our children serve the Lord like these arrows in the war? That's really where it's at. You know, kids that are given to us. You know, I was born in 1966, and uh, my parents were not married when I was conceived. So I was conceived out of wedlock. Now, I wouldn't advise that for people, but, you know, God still can do good things. My encouragement to you, if you're single, is wait until you get married. Abstinence. And then when you get married, you have your children and God will bless you, right? But if it happens in a different way, there's still hope for us, absolutely. You know, and so I i don't know man when i when i see these kids these beautiful children that we get to dedicate and just everything about them their curly hair just their everything i just like man they're so beautiful they're so beautiful aren't they wouldn't you say that they are like evidence for god that they're they're miracles amen remember that billboard that was right there on 605 evidence for god and it just had a baby there they're just so beautiful You know, and so you become a dad. My dad became a dad when he conceived me and my mom. My mom was 19 when I was born, and so my dad was 21, 23. Ooh, I didn't know that. (laughs) 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 And so, um, you know, I remember, man, uh, my dad, and I'll tell you guys, you know, he, he became a Christian eventually, but he was... Yeah, this is crazy, man. I'll, I'll tell you guys a little story because my mom, my mom and dad don't mind. Um, my dad, uh, so we were born, I was born. My dad brought my mom to his house and he was living with his dad and his dad said, she can't live here because you're married to someone else. That was my dad. Imagine that, married to someone else, he goes and i don't know how he gets married to my mom he takes her home and says no you guys can't be together that will give you a little bit of an indication of how it all started you know you become a father uh, in you know immediately biologically and there's something about that of course we know that's not enough but one of the things as i as i look at my dad and i think about him i'll tell you what that even though he never you know, some would say he didn't do the things that dads are supposed to do. One thing he did do is we always had, eventually, we had this relationship where it, it doesn't make any sense and it might not make any sense to you. You might even think I'm wrong you might even disagree with me on this. But I always knew deep, deep, down in his heart, that he loved me. He didn't know how to show it. He didn't know what the responsibility of a father was. But, you know, when we would talk and he would carry me on his shoulders and uh, the way that he he would treat me when we were together, man, I just knew that he loved me. And there was this, this connection that I had with my dad. Uh, that's the first thing. When I think about the different you know father figures I had in my life, We had a relationship. We had a relationship. And I want to encourage you guys, you know, with your kids, and even kids, you can reciprocate it. You know, the beautiful relationship that you can have with your dad if God gives you that grace and that opportunity. In the end, we became friends. And I think that was probably my dad's problem, is that he was a friend to me in the beginning. He did not know how to discipline. He never spanked me. And I'm thankful for that. <laughs> but um, you guys probably know, huh? You guys are smarter than that. You know that you can't really be their friend in the beginning in the sense that you would never discipline them because a discipline is an expression of love. And so what ends up happening when you have kids? First, you have to establish a discipline authority, then you start coaching them, eventually you teach them, then coach them, and then you know, you become friends. So with my dad, I will say this: that there was this relationship, and, and there was this friendship, you know, in the in the biological part of it, and that's kind of something that has stuck with me. There's a lot of things. that I tell myself that, man, I won't do what my dad did. When it comes to this and this and this, I won't do what my dad did. But when it comes to this and the relationship that we had, the love that was deeper, that, you know, I I will and so my dad, you guys, I've told you guys this story before. He was uh, unfortunately addicted to drugs. Eventually, it ex- escalated to heroin. He was addicted to heroin, and I remember he would still shoes. He would still stereos. I mean, he did everything he did to support his habit. Eventually, it led him to a place where he was actually homeless on Skid Row. Imagine that, my dad. But, you know, by the grace of God, because of the relationship that we had, you know, when I invited him to church, you know, he came and he said, you know what, I wouldn't have listened to anyone else but you. And eventually he gave his life to Christ. And what I do now, it's kind of cool, is my dad in the latter years, he, he became a Christian and he started writing. He would write journals. I have a ton of these at home. And they're just articles that my dad would write, a lot of them on uh, on Christian stuff, gun control, alley raiders, I mean, you name it, he, he's written a lot of different things. Um, I want to read to you guys a couple of them today, and like I said earlier, I'm just asking for forgiveness, because it's more of a testimony today than anything else. And I'll read one later to you about how he bragged about me as a son. So I'm going to ask for forgiveness for a big time, man. But listen to what my dad wrote. He said, personally, I believe the most important thing that we have to do in this lifetime is to be born again of the Spirit. Yes, religion, spirituality are reality of life. If you ignore it or share, share it away, throw it away, You are a very lost person. Being born again implies that you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, that you have the Holy Spirit. Your sins have been forgiven. You have a personal relationship with God. Your life begins to change for the better. In other words, if you have the Spirit of God, you will see reality the way it really is, the way God designed it to be when we are right side up. Such as these truly is, such as there is truly one God, the Bible was authored by God. Using men to pen the word, we are headed for a judgment of God. We will either be with Jesus eternally or be left in hell forever. Think about it. Are you willing to take a chance? I accepted my creator, my father, my Jesus, and the reality came when I was born again. And there's this thinking, wow, Lord from a man, and there are other articles in here where he admitted I didn't want anything to do with Christianity, nothing. But from a heroin addict, deadbeat dad, homeless on Skid Row, to writing articles that eventually, somehow, God knew. I would read. I don't know if anyone else has read that. But it's amazing what God can do. Biological, that's how we become a dad. Physical, this relationship, my encouragement to you is let it be deep. But then from there, when I was in sixth grade, I told you guys this story before. My dad. Uh, so my dad was shot in a drive-by shooting. So my cousins were involved in Flores, and I don't know what rival gang came and, and shot up the house, um, but it was that was our life. I mean, we would see stabbings. I mean, our next-door neighbor was stabbed in the shower. I mean, so many fights. Uh, a lot of things went down in those days. And I remember uh, my dad got shot right here. So if he would have got shot right here, he would have died. If he got shot right here, he would have died. But he got shot right here, He didn't die, but what that did is it changed our life to where I eventually was transferred over to live with my aunt and uncle in the city of West Covina. And it's there that I experienced my second father figure, and that is my Uncle Ernie. My dad died in 2020, went home to be with the Lord, and my Uncle Ernie, he passed away in 2012. I remember that uh, when I was in Cambodia. But when I think of my dad, I think of the relationship that was deep, a love that really can't be put into words because it doesn't make any sense, but it was real. A friend that God would give me. And then when I think of my uncle, when I think of a father, one of the most important responsibilities that a father has is to be a provider. Right? And we are called to be a provider for our families. 1 Timothy 5 verse 8. It says, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And so, fathers, you guys know this. Some of you guys are future fathers. You have to know this: that your responsibility is to be the provider for your family. Then there, in First Timothy chapter five, is talking about you know making sure that your parents are taken care of but then it hones in on a principle that tells us that it's so important that you provide for your kids that if you don't, you're worse than an unbeliever. That's pretty bad. And so that's one thing I learned from my Uncle Ernie. He had a business. It was called Sanchez and Hernandez. Uh, It was a a, a concrete company. Uh, Some of you guys, have you ever seen the public storage facilities? You know, you guys, they're all over the place. They're beige and orange. They built a ton of those. Uh, It was like a million-dollar business for a while there. And so, therefore, it required a lot of his time. My Uncle Ernie would go into work every single day from Monday through Saturday, 5 a.m., and he would uh, work all day. He would come home probably about 8.30 at night. I could still see him come in. He would sit in front of the TV, and he would just fall out. I, i fall asleep. I remember And, uh, you know, how many of you guys here, you wake up early without an alarm clock? I'm just curious. Any of you guys? Yeah, that was my Uncle Ernie. He'd wake up early every day, um, and he would go to work, and he'd be working hard, providing for me, making sure that I I, I now have a decent meal, making sure that I now have, you know, clothes that are not, you know, thrashed, sending me to private school i mean he provided for me it was so cool what they did i remember every sunday he, he would go to the you know down the street and he every sunday you know what he would bring us Menudo? and the, the pan. it was so good what are they calling again? yeah Elios. Uh, and then um he would bring like the goat's head you guys did you guys did you guys eat that you know that whatever, whatever. I don't know what the head it is, but you know you eat the ice and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and so, yeah. I mean, every every Sunday he would do that. And all I know, it, you know, we the the difficulty is he just worked, he just worked, he just worked. We we, we never talked. You know, he never went to my my wrestling matches or my baseball game. But I learned from him that how important it is to be a provider. And somehow, you know, I, I, I next thing you know, I'm out there working the streets. As a kid, and I'm telling you guys, this is before the age of ten. I would go knocking on doors, selling the newspaper. I learned that from him. I, I as a kid, I remember me and my, my friend Paul, we would go and do lawns and we would, you know, um just work gardening work for the neighbors. And, you know, I love my friend Paul, man, but he did not work. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious, man. I'm not messing around so much so where, you know, I mean, I would hustle. I don't know why it just came out of me. I'd be working and stuff, and he'd be talking and stuff. And the next thing you know, the guy, you know, who's, oh, who we're working for, he fired him. <laughs> I mean, we're just kids. Imagine firing a kid. <laughs> 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 You know, but you know, I ended up getting a job at at Vons. I was there for seventeen years, and then you know, being involved in the ministry, I learned from my uncle Ernie how to be a provider. You know, what's just so cool is that you have that relationship, and my dad ends up accepting the Lord. And then one day, you know, my uncle Ernie, he came to Calvary Chapel Almani, and I'll never forget. You know, even though he was raised a, a Catholic. Um, his kids got saved, and um, there's no doubt about it. They were a huge influence on him. But I remember he came only one time. He came one time, and he sat right there, and he accepted the Lord into his life, my Uncle Ernie. And then we went to Aos and Savoia afterwards, <laughs> and we <laughs> celebrated. But you know, you, you learn from different people. Some of you guys here, you don't have your dads in, in your life, kind of like I did. It was He was in and out. But thank God that God uses different Men to kind of teach us these things, you know, to teach us the importance of a relationship, to teach us about friendship, to teach us about, you know, working hard and and being a provider. And, and then, you know, you fast forward, uh, and the next father figure in my life was my father-in-law. I remember when I met Shelly, you know, I was still uh, young, and I remember, uh, I always tell you guys this, huh? I always tell you guys that, I lacked wisdom, and I lacked common sense. I don't know what was wrong with me. What was I thinking when I bought a truck at 22% interest? What was I thinking? Now, you guys are thinking, you know, man, what a dummy, you know, that he would <laughs> he would do that. But for some reason, I went in there just thinking, as long as I can buy a car, I'm good. You know, so I lacked common sense in so many ways, and I, and it started, you know, in, interested in, in dating Shelly. And I remember going to her house and just kind of telling him the story. What had happened now is I bought a 74 Ford Courier and the mechanics were ripping me off. And so he found out about it. And you know what he did, man? He he said, let's go over there right now. <laughs> and, you know, he went over there, man, and he raised havoc. I mean, homeboy was was yelling, you know, at these guys. and and And, and suddenly God... God brought someone in my life to defend me. There's a really cool passage in Nehemiah 4.14. It says, fight for your families. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. And that's what we do, huh? That's what dads do. I had never really had someone like that. You know, he... Right off the bat, man, he just takes me under his wing and he begins to defend me. And God knew what I needed because, you know, that was something that I didn't have. He then went on to do other things. He would teach me things. He became, in one sense, a disciplinarian uh, in my life, something I never really had. You know, he taught me how to work with my hands. Uh, Ephesians 4.28 says, Let him who stole, steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. You know, I remember he had um, 67 Mustangs for all his three daughters. I'm, I'm telling you guys... He said he was an amazing individual and he would, you know, bring me over and he would teach me how to change the shocks or the springs. And, and while he's teaching me, he'd be yelling at me. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, what's wrong with you? And he would, you know. <laughs> and, you know, I'll tell you what, as a dad, as a disciplinarian or whatever, a father figure, you kind of need that every once in a while. I hope that kids understand that because, um, you know um it was it was dangerous. one of the things about Shelley's family, and I don't think she'll mind me telling you, is that so they would get upset, they would get angry only because they were afraid, and so, as he's teaching me how to change the shocks and the and the spring right there, he it's very dangerous because that thing could shoot out and it could kill you, and so that's why he would get mad, and that's why he would yell at me and stuff. But he taught me things you know he taught me how to you know change the oil. I didn't know how to do that. The points and the car, you know, different things about the carburetor, and you know now as I uh, as I work, I use his tools. This is what dads do, right? It's part of what dads do. I mean, talk about a provider. I mean, this guy he built a house in Orange County. He rented that out. He built a house in East L.A. He rented that out. He, he then bought a house in La Puente. He rented that out, and then he purchased a home in West Covina. And the reason he did that is because he wanted to make sure that his daughters were taken care of. You know, when, I, when, I, when that register is within me, I'm like wow, that's what that's what dad's do, huh? And I remember him, and I will say this, and it's just there's no doubt about it. He sacrificed so much. He could have dressed differently, he could have driven a, a different vehicle. There's no doubt about it. A nicer one. But you know he had this old. Oh, truck which I kind of like it now but it was an old truck with a big old camper and they would fill it with clothes and they would take it to Mexico to give to the poor and what happens in life is the Lord we have our biological father and sometimes they're there all our life sometimes they're not but hopefully there's something that's a part of us and then you, you know you you know, I got my uncle, and he's working hard and teaching me things from a distance. And and then I have my father-in-law, and God's using him in my life. And then you end up fast-forwarding to the day that I got saved. I was wondering if you could turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. In verse 14, when you talk about father figures, look what he says right here. I, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I, I warn you, kids I, I love, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. So here's the thing, man. At the end of the day, the most important part of being a father is leading your children to Jesus Christ. That's the most important part. You know, and some of you guys, some of you are, you know, biological fathers. You were the instrument that God used, you know, to lead your children to Christ. What a blessing that is. You know, for me, I remember um, it was in 1989, August 20th. Someone invited me to church. I went to church that day and Pastor Rawl was there and he shared the gospel. I don't remember what he said. All I knew was this, that I needed Jesus and I went forward to receive Christ into my life. And it was then that I was born again. And God used him from that point on. I was there and I just would go every Sunday, every Sunday night. Every Wednesday night for years, I'd go to all the young adult studies, new believer studies. It was there, and Pastor Ra just would be teaching me the scriptures, teaching me the scriptures, just teaching them to me. And it came to the point where, you know, it's just, it was just the Lord establishing him as my spiritual father and then i remember when we started the church and i hadn't talked to him for a long time and he would see my brother-in-law larry a lot and then um he would tell larry hey you know tell manny i said hi tell manny i said hi you know tell him to come over or whatever tell him to call me and i never would because i figured he's he's just too busy but one day i was reading this passage right here for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. I remember reading that, and just the Holy Spirit just, just gripped my heart. And he said, call him. Call him. And I remember I called him. And just like a, a father, just like a father, boom, he's back in my life. And he's helping me in the difficulties. And whenever that I need prayer, you know i try not to bug him but i just you know pick up the phone and call him you know and he's been there for us as a church and and when i think of just how we have these different guys in our life uh what we find is that you know god has you know our biological father he has our uncles uh, like my uncle ernie he has father figures father-in-laws different people that god will bring into our life and then even sometimes a spiritual uh father in one sense not that we would ever call them that we don't call people father because the bible says don't do that sometimes people will call me father manny and i'm like don't do that (laughs) no i'm just a, a guy i mean i'm blessed to be a pastor but you don't even have to call me pastor manny i'm just manny But we have these people in our life and they are all gifts from our Heavenly Father who made you. He's the one who conceived you. He's the one who teaches you. He's the one who provides for you. He's the one who saves us. My heart aches, you know, thinking of so many kids who don't have a dad. We're living in a world now, in a society now, where they're almost outnumbering the, the, the families that have both mom and dad there. The only comfort I find is to know that God has his individuals who will step in, and God himself, he will be our father. And as we celebrate Father's Day today, I pray that we would all have this understanding I pray that we would all, as dads, you know, be examples and maybe be father figures to some who don't have dads. Uh, my wife was actually uh, in contact with someone today whose dad died this year, not too long ago. And they're having a really hard time, a really hard time. And so we need to step up. You know, dads, as we follow the Lord And you might be the best dad in the world. And we make a lot of mistakes. It doesn't guarantee that our children are going to follow the Lord. But, you know, it does help. And so my prayer is that we would be examples. I remember Adrian Rogers. He said, every little boy wants to be like his dad. He said, I was a youngster. I was not saved. I was sitting in a revival crusade because somebody invited our family. My dad was sitting next to me right on the aisle. And when the invitation was given, my dad stepped out and gave his heart to Jesus Christ. Adrian Rogers said, I was overwhelmed. Do you know who the next guy down the aisle was? A little boy named Adrian Rogers following his dad down the aisle to accept Christ. Our kids, they'll follow Jesus the way you do. So God help us to have that understanding. You know, 1 John 3, 1, ultimate father, it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Think about that, that we are God's kids. Psalm 68, 5, it says that he's a father to the fatherless. In Luke 11, verse 2, Jesus said, When you pray, this is how I want you to pray, our Father. Who is in heaven. Now, we may take it for granted now, but to the Jews, they didn't see God that way. For you to call God Father, to them, it was almost borderline blasphemous. But Jesus taught us how we have a heavenly Father who loves us. And Paul writes about that in the book of Romans, chapter 8. So much so, our God loves us so much like this Father that we can call him Papa, we can call him Daddy. And I was thinking about this and a couple of things I w- I want to share in clo- closing if you're here today and and my encouragement to you dads I, I don't want to make it one of those studies where you know we we you know tell you how you failed as a dad you know because we've all failed we've all fallen short I don't want it to be one of those studies I I want it to be one of those studies where okay lord um I don't know how much time I have left as a dad but I'm going to do my best to follow you because it doesn't matter how old your kids are. I really believe this. You know, you may say, well, Manny, you're a pastor and you have a lot of responsibilities. I honestly believe this, that when I stand before God, one day, and give an account. First, he's going to say, how did you treat your wife? Second, you to say, what kind of dad were you? Then the ministry. And that's why it's so important that we don't put our jobs before our kids. But we have to go forward. It may seem, you know, like, you know, they're not listening, but You know, like Pastor Raul and Ryan, the day may come later down the road, you know, and their kids give their life to Christ like crazy, like Ryan did, or it might even be after we die. their kids start following the Lord the way we want them to. Whatever you do, don't compare kids to kids. Every kid is different. They're all wired different. It's really a mistake when you do that. Just compare yourself to the best possible you. That's what God wants us to do. Now, I want to close um, by reading a, a journal, a little entry that my dad wrote about me, because I want to brag about me. <laughs> <sighs> no, forgive me for this. Forgive me for this, but I don't know. I mean, like I said earlier, normally we just teach the Bible, right? And so today is more of a testimony. It's also Father's Day. Yeah, my dad died in 2020. So I'm kind of doing this for him. Something I think was really cool. Do you remember when Jesus got baptized? Do you remember what the father said? Do you guys remember what the father said when Jesus got baptized? He Right, so when you read Matthew 3.17, Mark one eleven, Jesus gets baptized, and you hear it on the microphone. Everybody hears it. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so basically he says, this is the son that I love in whom I am well pleased. But that's not all he says. If you read Mark 1.11, he says, you are my beloved son in whom... I'm well pleased. I'm proud of my kids. It's Father's Day, I can say that. I'll probably get in trouble later, but I'm so blessed with my children. And you guys here, dad's here. You can say that about your kids, huh? And that's what the father did, the word of encouragement. This is my son, I love him so much. I'm proud of you. Well pleased with you. This is my son that I love. I kind of feel like that's what my dad did for me right here. So I'm going to read it to you. Forgive me. But sometimes fathers will write things or say things about their kids with a little bit of grace, huh? This is what he said. He said, my son, Manuel Anthony Arguez Coronia, is my pride and joy, the apple of my eye. Like the Lord loved David was similar to how I love my son. Manny, my son, was a joy to me. He was everything a dad could ever want. He loved his parents, was well-liked by his peers, was an excellent athlete, played baseball and was always chosen for the all-star teams. I don't know if that's true or not, but (laughs) (laughs) he was a pitcher. He always liked the same sports teams I followed, the Dodgers, Raiders, Lakers. He accompanied his future wife, Shelly, as her prince in the homecoming game at West Covina High. His relatives, cousins, uncles, aunts loved him. He was an obedient kid. He minded me and his mom, He was in a rock band when he was in high school. I remember when he was a kid, I used to carry him on my shoulders to go get a hamburger and a milkshake. This was in Almani, California. He eventually became the pastor at Calvary Chapel Almani. What a blessing he was. He now is faithfully married with two children. When he used to hang out with me, I used to tell him I love you so much. And he would too. I don't know why he wrote that. But I was thinking maybe we can write things that who knows one day our kids will read or maybe we can even express it now. But what a blessing it is, huh? Being a dad. Amen? You guys going to have a good day? I know there's different nuances. There's different struggles. Uh, There's a lot of different situations here today. But don't give up on being a dad. Let the Lord show you how, you know, we can be obedient to him in this. And as um, my dad was talking about being born again, and as we see this whole thing about just... The gospel of Christ, I pray that today, if you're not already following the Lord, that today you would. Like I told you guys earlier, what what would be the best gift? What would be the best gift? Spending time with your kids, right? Oh, thank you so much. My daughter always tells me, Dad, you got us, you need to wipe it. <laughs> um, the best gift is... Not the gloves with lights on them, although maybe, but you know, (laughs) the best gift is being together. And God wants us to be together in heaven. That's why He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. But He won't force you. You can't force your kids, He won't force you. You have to choose. And so if you haven't already chosen to be God's kid, then you've got to make a choice. My prayer is that you would do it today. This is the best day to do it. On Father's Day. Because the Bible says so clearly in John 1:12, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Have you received the Lord? If you haven't, I want to encourage you to do it now and then get baptized.